most of our clients are not giving importance to those data centers. Everything seems to go to the cloud and the cloud will do magic. Those legacy applications need a place where they will be deployed and where they will be executed, and those are the data centers. We are doing real technical stuff here. The only thing we are not doing is handle the wires and connecting the machines. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Platinian on Digital Podcasts. BCG Platinian's take on how digital and technology are shaping business imperatives, driving new pools of value, and how BCG Platinian is helping companies take advantage of this phenomenon. I am your host, Tim Lum, Associate Director at BCG Platinian. 2020 seems to be the year of data. A lot of it has been rendered less useful in predicting what's going to happen next, and yet different data is now sought after to predict our way out of the pandemic. Whilst the vast majority of businesses are coming to terms with how to find new data to work their way out of the pandemic, they've also realized how much it is dependent on data to be guided on the next steps and how much data is actually taken for granted. Data has been a much underrated asset in a business, but even so, most employees only ever get to see the very tip of the iceberg, the visualizations that appear on your most used dashboard, or the numbers in the cells that you see in your daily Excel's report. However, have you considered all the infrastructure that needs to sit behind that one spreadsheet? How do all the ones and zeros become a set of numbers that guide a business through their operations? Now you may call it the cloud or infrastructure or even a data center, but nevertheless, they are critical components to any company's ability to make decisions. Data centers have been in the quiet centerpiece of a company's technology infrastructure. And when they go down, especially in a major business, they make headline news. They are the parts of data and technology that are even more taken for granted than the data itself. Today, we have Jose Luis Martin, our Iberia Managing Director in BCG Platinian, to explore this very topic of data centers, why it's so strategic and technologically to tell us about a client experience that he's led and the value it provided. Welcome, Jose Luis. We're glad that you could join us today. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? I'm very glad to be here with you. Very good. Thanks um, again. And so let's first start with a question that I guess most people have on their minds. What is a data center? What does it do? Why is it so important and strategically for the technology of a business? You were saying at the very beginning about data as the peak of the iceberg in the technology today and business people that is worried about how are we managing the data how to store the data, are the data secured? Okay, the data centers are the facilities where all this information is stored, where the information is really saved, and not only the information, but also the application, the business applications that are being used in the day-by-day tasks of our clients. So uh, this is why those facilities are so important. They really house all the technology that our clients are using. What's happening right now, and you mentioned also the, the cloud, is that most of our clients are not giving importance to those data centers because they are thinking on going to the cloud. Everything seems to go to the cloud and the cloud will do magic. But we need to think that even the cloud is deployed on data centers. The only point is those data centers are not owned by our clients. 
but are owned by the IT giants, Google, Amazon, or Microsoft. And what you're describing with the fact that the cloud platforms can do just this, they're, they're just owned by someone else, isn't the thought process here, and what we're being told now, at least in technology today, and strategic technology, that the cloud effectively will save the world. Why do businesses still need data centers if they can rent the data centers from Amazon or from Microsoft or from Google, for example? Well, I think there are two main reasons why our clients still need their data centers. The first one is not all of our clients have cloud-ready or cloud-native applications. They have some applications that were built some years ago without considering the requirements that a cloud has to support the business application. So we could talk about them as legacy applications. Those legacy applications need a place where they will be deployed and where they will be executed. And those are the data centers. The second reason is we have clients that are doing their business in an industry or in industries that are heavily regulated. For instance, financial services industry or insurance or even oil and gas in some countries. What is happening there is there are strong regulations that set some limitations in sending data to the cloud. That means that our clients need to store data in their own facilities. That's why data centers are still important for our clients. Yeah, and you mentioned this because there's an element of security, there is an element of legacy applications, and you have to run those legacy applications still in those data centers. Are there other reasons like geography that would render the fact that you have to store, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is perhaps like in China, for example, you have to store data in China if you're actually operating there. So is that something that companies also see that they have to do? Or can they actually also just work with Alibaba, for example, to rent that cloud? What are some of the geographic constraints there too? I can share um, one of our experiences here in Iberia with an oil and gas company. They had some wells in the Peruvian jungle. And there, of course, there is no access to the cloud. There is no access to, to any facility like the one from Google or Amazon or even from other provider. And what they needed to do is to deploy infrastructure, their own infrastructure to the field in order to support the field operations. So what you are mentioning about geographic limitations are not only happening by some countries' laws, as you mentioned, China, but by their business needs indeed. For instance, in this case, the oil and gas. There is another case regarding data and strong regulations, and this is happening in healthcare. Our patient data or, or patient data is the most sensible data a company can handle. And those data are really under strong regulations that sometimes do not allow to deploy those data on the cloud. They need to be deployed locally uh, with strong encryption and being handled very carefully. This is why we still need data centers. And so, you know, because of the fact that data centers and the infrastructure is owned by the company and the business, depending on the particular use case, for example, you know, and you talked a little bit about legacy applications, that you need to run on an existing data center. I guess part of my question then is, are, are data centers actually capable of conducting digital transformation of the future? You know, what are ways that 
companies can keep their data centers today and still digitally transform themselves? And what considerations do they need to think about? I would say that most of these companies, when thinking about digital transformation, are thinking, of course, in using cloud. But when they say cloud, they usually mention hybrid cloud. That means using public cloud facilities, which involves Microsoft Azure, Google, or Amazon technologies. But also they think on building their own private cloud. That means they want to still have their own data centers. They want to still have their own infrastructure, but they want to take advantage of all the automation, of all the flexible management techniques that are available today in order to manage all this infrastructure they have. That way they can support digital transformation. What they are doing is creating architectures, creating new and next-gen applications that are based on cloud technologies. And that means containers, that means APIs, that means microservices and all these kind of architectural patterns that provides lots of flexibility and scalability. And they deploy those kind of applications both in the public cloud and also in the private cloud. So they can take advantage of these techniques and these technologies and they are able to support the digital transformation this way. We have several clients in Iberia that are working this way. So it's, it sounds like it's less about the, the fact that it's a cloud infrastructure itself, but it's, it's some, in some sense, it's the, the methodology of, and the ways of working around creating the ability to spin up and spin down small data centers effectively or small machines within a larger environment. It's less about the fact of where it's located, whether it's a Google cloud or it's a Microsoft cloud, that actually it's, it's really the, the thinking around this digital transformation itself, being able to conduct agile ways of working and agile ways of working, not just from a product management perspective or a how we deliver in increments. It's this capability to, to turn things on and off on the fly as the needs arise. Is that correct? Yeah, you're completely correct. What they try to do is design and deploy that set of new applications that are able to take advantage of those small pieces you were mentioning, that are able to scale in and out, and that could be deployed both in the private and in the public cloud. What they usually try to do is isolate services that are really critical to the business or handle sensible data, and those probably will be deployed on the private cloud. And then all the front-ends and all the services that are not managing that sensible data can be deployed to the public cloud, to Google or Azure or whatever. Yeah, and other considerations that they would need to think about in that sort of instance, you know, so that the cost of moving about the data about or which cloud provides the right compatibility or the private cloud that they have today. Walk me through maybe a, a couple of considerations that businesses have to think about yeah. then. Our clients need to compare the different services that are being provided by the public cloud providers. Because even though if they provide the same, almost the same set of services in terms of infrastructure, virtual machines, container engines, and all this stuff, they need to compare the performance of those machines and also considering the cost of those machines because there are some differences on performance that will have their implications in cost. This is something that could be managed by using a multi-cloud assessment and we in BCG have tools to do this kind of assessment. And there are some other considerations. For instance, when, when our clients have not only their own data centers, but also infrastructure in the cloud, 
they need to manage both worlds and this implies to consider the operation architecture that needs to be compatible with both worlds. They need to consider the applications or the tools they are going to use to monitor, the tools they are going to measure network consumption, storage, and all this stuff to make sure that they can monitor both worlds and they can create KPIs that are being able to measure what is happening in all the infrastructure that our clients have. In terms of operating model, there are also some changes. When we are using a multi-cloud approach, we need to consider new roles, new skills that need to be in the team that is managing the infrastructure. And we will need to, to provide our clients with a clear view of what is going to happen there. Once they have their private environment, their own infrastructure on-premise or, or private cloud and the public cloud. No, that's really interesting because it starts to bring a whole new dimension to the way that a company needs to work, the cost structure, the operating model and the skill sets from the people side of things just to manage sort of new technology to bring them forward. So it sounds like, you know, you've got a lot of experience in this. You must have basically then done a case in this frame. So tell me a little bit about one of the, the recent cases that you've conducted. You know, what's that client impact story around data centers? And what was the context of the problem, the challenges, and, and what did you do? Okay, I can share one of the cases we are currently working on. We are working with a, with a bank, one of the biggest banks in Spain, that is right now conducting their digital transformation. Within this digital transformation, they are doing what we call a data center consolidation. This data center consolidation is done because they need to support new technologies, they need to provide new technologies to their business, they need to provide new solutions and they need to renew their infrastructure. They have very old infrastructure. For instance, they have Solaris machines, which are eight or nine years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they need to renew that. What they decided is to work with a system integrator and they have a contract, a very big contract. It's one billion euros contract for 10 years to outsource all the infrastructure management and to do that data center consolidation. We have here some probably political issues because this bank has their own data centers in a region of Spain that is having some political issues and they want to have more stability and they are moving those data centers to another region in Spain which is far more stable. And there is a third point here. They are moving from some facilities that have been certificated as tier two as a data center and they are moving to a tier four. Being a tier four means that these data centers has a lot of measures to control what is happening with the electrical supplies, with communications, with climate, with earthquakes, with everything. So they are far more secure and they are far more prepared to support next-gen technologies. And it sounds like, just, just to cut in there if you don't mind, it sounds like they then as a result have to change the way that they're thinking because if they move from a tier two, they would usually have a, a set of standard operating processes for a tier two. And now they also have to consider, you know, something slightly different for a tier four. What is happening here is the bank does not want to be in the hands only of the system integrator. They don't want to consider their decisions and they don't want to be in their hands. And they want to have someone with a strong technical knowledge that is able to challenge those decisions that are being done by the system integrator. 
We are working there with TA. We have set up a mixed team there and we have been working there for the last four months, reviewing aspects such as how the service is going to be transferred from the current system integrator that is doing all the infrastructure management to the new one, which is more close to the operating model. But we have reviewed also some designs that are related to network topology or to some technical aspects, like how to distribute the physical machines in the data center to make sure that the air conditioning is doing optimally in the facility. So we are doing real deep tech. We are doing real technical stuff here. The only thing we are not doing is handle the wires and connecting the machines, but that's... <laughs> That's the only point we are not doing there. Obviously, with the deep tech work, it's super impactful. But, you know, some of the listeners that we have will be thinking about this in terms of business impact. What does that actually mean? Walk me through maybe one of the, the QA challenges that we've given to the system integrator then actually has resulted in something uh, of, a, of a business strategic impact based off of the deep tech we've been working on. Um, one example, uh, yes, of course. For instance, we were discussing about the plan for the data center consolidation, and this system integrator was only thinking on the, on the hardware, only on the machines, and they were not considering what will happen to the business applications, for instance. They were only thinking that moving one machine from one side to another and then deploying the application on top of that new machine was more than enough to have the application up and running. And we were suggesting them to perform a set of tests to validate that the application was uh, performing optimally for the business. For instance, we wanted to, to do some latency tests among the different facilities to make sure that everything was up and running. This was discussed with the system integrator. This was discussed also with the bank. At the end of the day, the system integrator has agreed to deliver a new plan for the migration, considering this set of tests we have asked for, because the, the bank was not aware that these tests were not going to be done. So we suggested not only to do the test, but also the set of tests that need to be done in order to certify that everything will be up and running. A lot of these uh, data center consolidations are important to have. And there is an importance there, like you mentioned, because actually to keep businesses stable and to keep the technology in a stable environment, it, that provides additional value to the business. But, you know, as I mentioned right at the beginning, sometimes this kind of thing gets taken for granted a little bit because it's just behind the scenes, right? You only see the yeah. data as the tip of the iceberg, the visualizations, but not necessarily you know, all this tech and consideration that needs to sit behind the scenes in order to produce that one spreadsheet. So it creates a lot of value, but yet at the same time, it's, it's really sight unseen. Something that's really also very interesting to me is, is some of the different regions of BCG Platinian in Western Europe and South America and South Africa. And Iberia is one of the systems that makes a part of this whole. And so each region has different stories to tell, uh, different ways of working, slightly different focuses, right? So when I first started, I remember visiting the, uh, the Madrid office and meeting with yourself. 
and we discussed some of the the differences in the different regions. So, you know, one thing I, I guess our listeners are always interested in, especially those who would be listening in from Iberia and Spain and Portugal, for example, can you tell us what some of the key things that are different uh, about the team in Iberia that are, are, are really differentiating, not just as BCG, but B- BCG Platinian as well? And, you know, tell me something about the Madrid office that would surprise me. Okay, so things that really differentiate us from BCG Platinum or from other offices is, I think, that we have a small team with a broad skill set. For instance, we have people that have a lot of knowledge about infrastructure coming from AWS or coming from telco companies. And these guys are helping us in, for instance, in the case we have mentioned, in the story we have mentioned, but also in another case we have in an insurance company regarding private cloud topics. We have people that have uh, lots of knowledge on the functional area, for instance, in financial services and core investment banking. Uh, We have even people that are able to deliver software. Even though they are architects, they they can act also as software engineers and, and they have built an asset for an oil and gas company. And I think we have another key point, another differentiating point that is regarding the language. We are able to speak English as all of our mates, but also we are able to speak Spanish. So we can cover not only Iberia or Spain, but also we can help in Spanish speaking South America, providing resources or providing help in case they need to support their cases and and increase our scope in case it's required. And also, I guess it's that the reverse is true, right? If there are skill sets in, in um, South America and Latin America that can actually help expand your scope a little bit so that then you can actually, you know, work on a particular work that even though you have, you know, deep technology and deep infrastructure skill sets. And I know one of the, the, the folks on your team is highly well versed in data, for example. If there are other types of projects, you can actually transfer that set of people because it's not only just about the English language. If you have to conduct a case with a client in Spanish, then those language skills come in very handy uh, such that you can actually pull as much as you push the resources over to to Latin America, you can also pull some of the resources over. Yes, of course. Of course, the reverse, as you said, is also true. Good. So a lot of this stuff is highly, um, to me, again, as as I mentioned, as as a data practitioner, is super interesting. And sometimes I really do take for granted all the infrastructure and technology that goes on behind the scenes to make it happen. And I'm really glad to have been able to spend that time understanding the impact to a client that we have in deep technology, because I generally kind of see it from from the business angle. Sometimes I, I do miss seeing it from that technology angle as well. And also about the Madrid office and how, you know, some of the really interesting things about the Madrid office too. But with that, unfortunately, we've run out of time today. So thank you so much, Jose Luis, for joining us on the podcast today. And good luck with the rest of the year. I know where I'd rather be when it comes to food and culture in comparison to where, we, where we're at today, and especially given the lockdown situation that we're in. But thank you so much, Jose Luis. Uh, it's really been great to have you here. Okay, thank you very much, Tim. You're more than welcome whenever you want to, to come and visit us. Thank you.